of his presence. Because God is with us. But we have a responsibility. And there, there's a presence there in us and around us. That's kind of what I'm going to talk to you about. We have a responsibility to, to set our mind on that presence, to acknowledge it. Thank you, Father, you're here. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You're among us. You're in us. You're around us. And, Lord, we just worship you. Uh, praise God. Well, hope you've had a great week. And, you know, I know there's a lot of stuff going on in our world. <clears throat> And I really considered, kind of wanted to address some of that a little differently, but uh, I just felt compelled to, to, to talk about uh, getting to know the Holy Spirit better because that is a big part of our addressing the issues of our day. I mean, we can handle these issues as far as the conflict in our nation, political you know, strife and violence. We can address that as well as the pandemic and all that. We can use our reasoning powers and we can kick in our emotions and take sides and get mad and so on. And I've probably done all that. Or we can just listen to what God is saying by his spirit. And, and then, then we get to keep the peace because the Holy Spirit's the spirit of truth. And the truth is, Jesus said, peace, I leave with you. My peace, I give to you. So we have the peace of God available to us. So if we follow the spirit of God, then we can keep the peace no matter what happens in the world. Jesus said, I've said it many times, in the world you're going to have trouble. But he said, be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. So because we have God with us and in us, no matter what happens in the world, we pray for our nation, we pray for the election, we pray for peace, and, and, and we resist the pandemic, we pray against it, and we pray for protection, praise God, he's protected us as a people, as a church, and, and, and we pray against that. But no matter what happens... In your life or mine, if the Spirit of God is there, He is a Spirit of peace. He's a Holy Spirit. He loves us. And He can keep us in His rest. So we don't have to get anxious. We don't have to panic. We don't have to worry. We can know no matter. I mean, think about it. Think about Paul and Silas and the others and these guys that were beaten and they were put in prison and so on. And yet there they were praising God. They weren't thinking this is not right and getting all wrapped up in all that. They were worshiping the Lord knowing God is goddess. Sometimes he broke them out of jail. Sometimes they died. And they knew, hey, if they die, man, they knew their reward is going to be great in heaven. Hallelujah. Amen. All right. Well, I'll turn to Acts chapter 19. <clears throat> Pat and I went uh, to Shannon's house, her new house. Uh, Shannon, I don't think you'd mind me saying this, but uh, she said, would y'all come over and, and dedicate it and pray over it? And we did and just had a real good time. We're just real proud of Shannon. Can I say that? We love her. She's precious and her little baby. And um, I just wanted to say that to you. I just want you to know we, we are. I don't know if I said that we were there, but we are. And it was a blessing to pray for her and pray for her house and and uh, there's some apartments there. And I thought, uh, Pat and I talked about it. I think there's a good place maybe to do some outreach. So we'll see what the Lord leads us to do. But I, I like that idea. But I'm thankful God is doing some good things in our church. Amen. Amen. And I know some of the folks watching, they're not quite ready to come back. That's all right. Uh, I believe you'll come back soon as the Lord leads you. But we believe God's going to minister to you also as you're watching. And God is here. The presence of the Lord is here. Acts chapter 19, verse 1. 
And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus and finding some disciples. He said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. <clears throat> he said to them, into what then? Into what then were you baptized? And he said, into John's baptism. What was John's baptism? It was a baptism of repentance. But also, he said to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. And when they heard this, he baptized them in the name of the Lord Jesus. And then when he laid his hands, Paul laid his hands on them, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came upon them. They spoke in tongues and prophesied. Praise God. Now, this is a lot. I know this is a... This is a passage that's, that's debated among a lot of churches and theologians. But um, let's just really hear what God is saying to us about this. Were these disciples disciples of Christ? Well, sure, they were. They were disciples of Jesus, but they only had been taught the baptism of John. They've only been taught that when you are baptized, then you, you're baptized for the purpose of repenting. And that's a good thing. And if you read the last few verses of the 18th chapter, we read about a guy named Apollos who began to preach and teach about Jesus, but he also only knew the baptism of John. So Aquila and Priscilla, a ministry team, by the way, took Apollos and they, he, she, or they explained to him the ways of the Lord a little more perfectly. Didn't say he was baptized. He probably was in the name of Jesus or the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. But just said, you know, uh, that they taught him a little more about the Lord. And then in chapter 18, verse 28, it says, For he, Apollos, vigorously refuted the Jews publicly, showing them that from the Scriptures that Jesus is the Christ. I said all out for this purpose. I believe they were, they were disciples of Jesus. But they only knew that when they were baptized, they repented. You know, baptism is not just going under the water. If it was, then Paul wouldn't have said, we need to do it again because we need to baptize you in the name or into the name of Jesus. When we're baptized, and it's not that the Holy Spirit doesn't work prior to that, because I know he does. But nonetheless, it is a significant, it's a command of God, and there's something that happens. It's interesting. I thought, well, Paul, why did you ask these guys in the first place? You found out they were disciples of Jesus. But somehow he knew in his heart, because Paul was led by the Spirit of God, that they were lacking something. Now, here's why, one of the reasons, this passage is important. It's because they were disciples of Christ, I'm convinced at least, and they said, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. Or, one translation says, if there is a Holy Spirit. So here they are. I believe they're born again. They're saved. They're on their way to heaven. But they didn't know about the Holy Spirit. You could say, well, what difference does it make? The Holy, if they're born again, it's a work of the Holy Spirit. That's true. But is it possible that there are Christians today who love Jesus? They know about the Father because they know Jesus is the, is the door to the Father. But they don't know about the Holy Spirit. And if you don't know, because they said they haven't heard then what kind of relationship can we have with somebody you ain't ever heard about? You know, Paul said faith comes by hearing. 
So, you know, if we don't hear about Jesus, nobody can believe on Jesus unless they hear. Well, what about the Holy Spirit? If we've never heard about him, how can we, how can we receive his benefit, his blessing? I know sometimes God works beyond our faith. I understand that. But faith is, is our, we walk by faith. It's our connection to God. By grace, we're saved through faith. But also, we walk by faith. Well, our faith is in what? It's in what we've heard. You know, it's the same thing about anything. All these things that are going on in our country, we believe those things because of what we hear. And then when you start hearing different things, it causes a lot of confusion, particularly about the pandemic. Some say this, some say that. You know, we're kind of confused about that. Well, faith comes by faith in anything. Well, <clears throat> these guys, you know, they loved Jesus. They were disciples, but they didn't know about the Holy Spirit. And the truth is, I can say, though I, I, I can't say exactly, I wasn't exactly where they were because I had heard about him. I just didn't know anything about him. As a Presbyterian, we said the Apostles' Creed. How many of y'all said the Apostles' Creed when you were... Uh, I know these guys. Yeah, all right. Yeah, several of you, right? Sure. Believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth and the Son. And, and it says something about the Holy Spirit in there somewhere. I said that every Sunday that I went at least. But I didn't know him. I, I, did, somebody asked, did you know about the Holy Spirit? Well, yeah. What does he do? I, I, then I would have said, I have no clue. I mean, sounds good, Holy Spirit. Yeah, sounds good to me, but I didn't know him. I know I was born again prior to being filled with the Spirit. However, uh, I, didn't, I didn't really connect with him. I didn't, I didn't hear his voice. I wasn't taught. I mean, I think there were times when I was taught by the Lord, but not like I could have been. Amen. So how, how are we going to get to know him? I want to know him because he is there and he is working. And if you're saved, sure, you've had an experience of the Spirit because he's transformed your heart inside. But he wants to be a constant companion. He's with us. God is with us. How is he with us? I mean, Jesus, after he rose from the dead, Mark chapter 16 says he ascended to the Father. He sat down at the right hand of God. So the Father and the Son are seated in heaven, wherever that place may be. And so how do we connect with God when they're in heaven and we're here on this earth? Well, it's pretty clear. We connect with God by the Spirit of God. He is our connection. God is still in heaven, and Jesus is still at the right hand of the Father. But we can know the Father and the Son, but how? We know him by the Holy Spirit. Jesus said when he comes, he will take of mine and show it to you. He said all things that the Father has are mine. He's going to take of mine, he's going to show it to you. So if you know Jesus, you know him by his Spirit. Look at Second Corinthians. Corinthians <clears throat> chapter 13, verse 14. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14. The Apostle Paul concludes his letter to the Corinthian believers. And here's his blessing to them. Some churches use this as a benediction. And he says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. The grace of the Lord Jesus. Praise God. Grace and truth came by Jesus. The love of God. God is love. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. 
But then it says the communion or fellowship of the Spirit be with you all. Are you having communion and fellowship with the Spirit? The only way we can get to know folks is by fellowshipping with them, by being around them, talking to them. That word fellowship in Greek is an important word, and it's koinonia. And let me give you some words that, it's, that uh, trans, various translations use to translate it. It's translated in the Bible, partnership, participation, fellowship, of course, contribution, sharing, joining. And, and it is, according to Thayer, who's a Greek scholar, he said it is a close association between persons emphasizing what is common between them. All right? Think about all those words. That's what koinonia is. It's a partnership. It's a joining. It, it is a sharing. It's, it's an intimate connection with someone that you have something in common with. You know, the truth is, the people that we know better and best are those that we spend more time with, that we have what we call fellowship with. That's the ones that we really know. That's the ones that really impact our life, and we impact them. In fact, this word's interesting because it does have to do with a two-sided relationship. Our relationship with the Spirit of God is not one-sided. It's not, Holy Spirit, you teach me, and he does, and you lead, comfort, guide. You do all those things that you're supposed to do, but, you know, and my job is to hear and obey. That's good. But we also have a job, a, a, a responsibility of communing with him, of talking to him, of interacting with him. And sometimes, we, you know, we pray to the Father, and I know this can get a little confusing, and the, but Jesus said, whatever we ask the Father in his name, it'll be done for us. We, when we pray and you, need, you have a need, you're going to pray to the Father in the name of Jesus because he is our connection. He's our door, right? But God has also come to us in the person of the Holy Spirit and made his home with us. So we can commune with the Spirit of God. And when you commune with the Spirit, you commune with the Father. You know, someone would say, well, what does the Holy Spirit look like? What does he act like? Well, he acts like the Father because he's the Spirit of the Father. He acts like the Son because he's the Spirit of Jesus. We need to commune with him. <clears throat> it emphasizes either giving or receiving. We give to the Holy Spirit. He gives to us. We receive from the Holy Spirit. He receives from us. It's interesting <clears throat> that that word koinonia, of course, it's a Greek word. And in Greek culture, they, have, they believed in many different gods. And when they had their sacrificial or their, their religious meals, and, and they worshiped these gods, the Greeks, they believed that they had koinonia with the gods. That means they believed the gods would come and participate with them. They would commune with them. They would join with them in their meal. That's interesting. Because Paul, remember in 1 Corinthians, I believe it's chapter 10 or 11, about communion? He uses the same word about the fellowship or the communion of the body and the blood of Jesus. You, did you see that? Now, of course, we know, you know, their gods were demons. But when we, when we, we're going to celebrate communion next week. When we commune with Jesus and we, we interact with him through these elements, there is a connection 
with him. He's going to participate with us. When we take communion, I know it's early, but nonetheless, be expecting. It's not just drinking a little juice and eating a little piece of cracker, you know. We're communing with the body and the blood of Jesus. We're members of his body, but praise God, his blood is still efficacious. It's still powerful for us today. We take that communion, man. It, God wants to do good things with us because he does want to participate with us in the communion. He, he wants to be there interacting and ministering to us. And you know how he's going to do that? He's going to do that by his spirit who is here with us. Ministering. Praise God. Thank you, Father. He's... He's, he, he, Holy Spirit, thank you, Lord, for, for being with us right now. You know, sometimes we say, well, how can I be, how can I have more communion and fellowship with the Holy Spirit? <clears throat> you know, Romans chapter 8, you don't have to turn there. <clears throat> but Paul said, those that walk after the flesh, they set their minds on the things of the flesh. Those that walk after the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. So one of the ways I can commune with God, he's, don't you believe he's with you always? I mean, don't, don't we believe that? Sure. <clears throat> well, you know, one of the ways to keep that reality is, is to set our mind on that truth. Because we go through life, you know, because we have to think about other things. I understand that. But, you know, you, you know I'm standing up here looking at you and, and, and you're looking at me. And, uh, you know, I, I'm conscious of that. But also... I'm also aware that God, by his spirit, is on the inside, but he's also on the outside. He's with us here. I need to think about that. I need to think, Father, you're with me by your spirit right now. Your power is here. You can shake this place if you want to. You know, sometimes, and I mentioned this, I think, Wednesday night. You know, the angels of God are ministering spirits, and they're, they're performing, they're doing whatever he wants them to do. The Bible says they hearken to the voice of his word. But the Holy Spirit also can do some manifesting in our natural world. It's in Acts chapter 5, I believe it is. You know, the disciples have been persecuted. They prayed for boldness. Remember that? The Holy Spirit filled them. And the, the Bible says the place where they were assembled was shaken. And then they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. Wow. The Holy Spirit shook them. Let me see, look at something real quick if you... You got a Bible, Ezekiel chapter 8. Ezekiel is a powerful book about the Holy Spirit. And that's an Old Testament book, by the way. Of course, you know that. <clears throat> Ezekiel was a prophet sent to minister to the people of Israel. Verse 1 says this It came to pass in the sixth year, in the sixth month, on the fifth day of the month, as I sat in my house with the elders of Judah sitting before me, that the hand of the Lord God fell upon me there. The hand of the Lord fell upon me there. Then I looked and there was a likeness like the appearance of fire, like the appearance of his, of his waist and downward fire, and from his waist and upward, like the appearance of brightness, like the color of amber. If you look over in the book of Revelation chapter 4, that is, there's a lot of similarity in, in the throne of God and, and, and the, the beauty and the color. God's a beautiful God. Do you know that? There's a rainbow around his throne. Wow. I'm looking forward to that. He's the one. He's the author of the colors, okay? He's the author of the beautiful sunsets and sunrises. Praise God. That's, that's coming from him. Amen. The flowers as well. Yeah. Praise God. 
He stretched out, listen to this, verse 3, he stretched out the form of his uh, hand and took me by a lock of my hair. He took him by the hair of his head. And the Spirit lifted me up between heaven and earth and brought me in the visions of God to Jerusalem. Wow. Holy Spirit can snatch us up by the hair of the head, huh? I hope you haven't ever done that to your kid. Saying some of the old timers used to do that. What's well, not good? I'm not saying that. I'm saying the Holy Spirit, you can snatch me up by the hair of my head and take me into the revelations and visions of God anytime, Lord. <laughs> I tell you, He wants to snatch us up. He's not just the hair of our head, He wants to snatch us up by our spirit and our heart and take us into the place of His presence. And Ezekiel said, Because the hand of the Lord was upon me. Folks, the hand of God is upon you right now. The hand of the Lord is upon us. Praise God. You know, Jesus said, you know, when he was accused of casting out demons by Beelzebub, he said, if I cast out demons, Matthew or Luke, they say it differently, a little. But it's the same thing. He said, if I cast out, I believe Matthew says, by the finger of God, then know that the kingdom of God's come upon you. But Luke, if I'm correct, says, if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, then, then you know that the kingdom of God is, has come. Now, why did Matthew say finger and then Luke says spirit? Because the Spirit of God is like the finger of God. It's like the hand of God. You know, they prayed in Acts 5 there that God would stretch forth his hand to heal. That's when the Holy Spirit came upon them, shook the place. God has hands and fingers, doesn't he? Sure, just like us. I mean, he made us in his image. Well, I used to, we, we used to pray, you know, and, and I think maybe we kind of had a, some little error that, you know, Jesus, come and touch me. Touch me with your hand, you know, and, and, all, and, and that's all right. But, you know, we have him already inside us, and that reality, we need to constantly be, be acknowledging and confessing, Jesus, you live on the inside of us. But he's not just on the inside of us. He can also do things outside of us, like he did with Ezekiel, like he did with the disciples. He can shake the place. He can manifest himself any way he wants to manifest himself. And I say, Lord Jesus, manifest yourself. Because your hand and your finger are, are, are really, what are they? They're an extension of us. God's hand and his fingers are an extension of him. And if he substituted the finger of God from the spirit of God, then that's telling me that, that when God does touch me, he's already done that, I don't know, but he touches us on a continuous basis. That's an extension of God ministering to us. That, that's coming from him. It's coming from his heart. You see that? Praise God, Lord, touch us. So I think, yeah, well, there's a reality there. Lord, you do touch me. He's already touched us. And I acknowledge that. I acknowledge I'm the temple of God. Spirit of God lives in me. But also, I want a sense of his presence. I want to grow in that. I want to grow in the reality. God, that you're with me. You're right here. Yes, you're on the inside. And, and I emphasize, and I've talked about that a lot. But also, you're, you're around us. So you can empower us and, and, and manifest yourself doing whatever you want to do, God. Anytime. And all the time. Praise God. You know, we sang that song. That's why I asked Mike to sing that Holy Spirit song last. Because part of that is, Holy Spirit, make me more aware of your presence. 
Is that a legitimate thing to, to pray? Sure. He's here. But what we need to do is acknowledge it and set our mind on that fact that he is here. Listen to, look at John chapter, let's see. Let's go to, let's go to chapter 14 first and we'll look at chapter 16. These chapters are awesome chapters on the Holy Spirit. Chapter 14, let's begin at verse 15. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments and I will pray or ask the father and he will give you another helper that he may abide or live with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. What's an orphan? Right. They have been bereaved of, of the parents or that or you could say abandoned. They might be considered orphans as well. I won't leave you as orphans. Well, uh, were the disciples orphans when Jesus was there? No, because he acted. Certainly he was the Messiah. He was their teacher, but he was also served as a father to them. Now, he wasn't the father. The father was in heaven. I believe in a trinity. But when Jesus was on earth, he called them his little children more than one occasion. So he said, I'm not going to leave you without a parent, without a father. I will come to you. All right, Jesus, how are you going to come to us? We're looking on down in verse 23. Jesus answered and said, if anyone loves me, he'll keep my word. My father will love him and we will come to him. Well, who's the we? The, well, the we is the father and the son, right? Jesus is saying this, we, because that meant I, we will come to him and make our home with him. The, so has the father and the son made their home with you? How? Through the spirit of God. And here, here's what I receive from that. Spirit of God is in me and he's with me. And Jesus said, I'm not going to leave you fatherless. I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to come to you. So the Father, the Holy Spirit, serves in a fatherly capacity. What do you think about that? So your dad may not have been so good. But the Holy Spirit who's in you and with you, he's going to father you. You say, well, man, I don't know about that, you know, because my dad is, you know, he was rough and he, he was this or that. Um, well, Revelation, can, can I just share this with you? Revelation chapter 5, you want to look there real quick? You can. This, this is good. I've read Revelation many times, but I saw this here just this past couple of weeks. Verse 6, he said, And I looked, and behold, this is John, in the midst of the throne, he's having a vision of God and of the four living creatures. In the midst of the elders stood a lamb as though it had been slain. Who's the lamb? Jesus. As if he had been slain, slaughtered, killed. Having seven horns and seven eyes. That's kind of strange, the horns and eyes. What are the eyes? Which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. This is a symbol of Jesus is not a lamb. You know, he don't have wool and, and four legs, okay? Jesus is Jesus. This is a symbol of the person of Jesus. 
And in this symbolism here, he is manifested to John as having seven horns and seven eyes. And the, either both or the eyes represent the seven spirits of God. You say, but I thought God was one. Paul said there's just one spirit. That's true. Seven is a number, a number of completion. Okay? So the Holy Spirit is a complete person sent out into all the earth. So the Holy Spirit, Jesus, has eyes. What are those eyes? That's the Spirit of God. You say, does God see you? Yeah, oh boy, does he see? Oh man, I don't know if I want him to see me or not, you know, because after all, you know, when I do things I shouldn't do or stuff, he, you mean his eyes are upon me? Sure. What are God's eyes upon you for? You know, because a lot of times, uh, you know, dad or maybe another authority, if they were abusive, or not there or whatever, or could have been a mother, whatever, you know, <clears throat> their eyes were not a good thing. Their eyes were upon me to, to criticize and to judge and condemn. Right? You know, my dad's eyes, in, in, in sometimes it were good, but sometimes it wasn't so good. And a lot of times we, we kind of carry that over to our relationship with God, thinking, God, you're watching me all the time. Well, <clears throat> Psalm 34 says, The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their cry. Jesus is watching you. What's he watching for? He's watching you by his spirit. What is the spirit? Well, what is he doing? What does he want from us? He, he hears our cry. He hears our prayers. He hears our heart when we say, God, I need you, Lord. I need you, Holy Spirit, to empower me, to give me wisdom. He's there to help us because what does the Bible call him? He calls him a helper. He's not there to condemn and criticize. Jesus, the Son of Man didn't come to condemn the world, but that the world of him might be saved. Paul said, there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ. He's not, his eyes are not upon you just to put you down, condemn you, and critique you. Sometimes we, you know, we can do that to our kids and other people. We can be judgmental and, and criticize and so on. His eyes are not like that. Does he correct? Absolutely. Second Chronicles, you, you, you got it. You got it. Just mark this scripture down if you don't want to look at it. Chapter, Second Chronicles, chapter... Second Chronicles chapter, I've got it in my notes, I know. Where is it? Chapter 9, I believe it is. Chapter 16, I'm sorry, verse 9. Listen to this. <clears throat> so the eyes on the Lamb were what? They represented the sevenfold, you could say, Spirit of God. The eyes, verse 9, six to Second Chronicles 16, 9, the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. The eyes of the Lord. All right? The eyes of the Lord are looking around. The eyes of the Lord in Revelation represent the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> Genesis chapter 1, the Holy Spirit is doing what? He's moving. He's hovering. He's moving, brooding before creation. He, over the face of the waters, the Bible says. Holy Spirit is moving. <clears throat> the eyes of the Lord run to and fro. What's he looking for? To show himself as a condemner as a putter-downer, as a, as a critiquer, as a rejecter. No, to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. Hallelujah to God. Where are those eyes? The eyes are on us right now because the Spirit of God, he's in us, but he's also right there. That's not a bad thing. I wonder sometimes about, <clears throat> I wonder sometimes about David. You know, David, David knew the Spirit of God in Psalm 51 after he sinned with Bathsheba. He said, Lord, don't take your Holy Spirit from me, you know. <clears throat> but I think, 
David, how in the world did you do that? How did you commit adultery with someone and have, his, have her husband killed and just, you know, like nothing, you know, happened? I don't know. Well, because he lost the awareness. There was a time there that he must have been too, he was too focused on his flesh and he lost the awareness of the Spirit of God. You know, Catherine Kuhlman said this. She said, you know, if you want to lose the victory in Jesus, the quickest way is simply to ignore the Holy Spirit. That's exactly right. Yeah. And set on the Holy Spirit, it's what? Life and peace. He's here. Thank you, Lord, that you're here with me. Holy Spirit, I need you. It's okay to talk to him. It's okay to talk to the Father. You know, God is one. I know it can be some, somewhat confusing sometimes, but the Spirit of the Lord is, you know, according to Revelation, is, is the serves as the eyes of the Lamb. He's watching us. He, he watched over the disciples he was there. They were out in the middle of the lake. And the wind was against them. They were rowing. They weren't getting anywhere. And, all. and he saw them. He couldn't. You can't see him from the, the, the shore. You can't see that far. But he saw him, And he came walking on the water. Because his eyes were upon them to protect and to love them. Yes, sometimes to correct them. We all need that correction. The eyes of the Lord upon us too. Holy Spirit is watching me. He's watching you. He's with us. What for? To show himself strong on your behalf. He's ready. I tell you, he's ready and waiting to do something great in our lives. Hallelujah. Say, come, Lord Jesus. Do it, Lord. Do it, Holy Spirit. I tell you, he believes in you. know, I was praying just a couple of days ago. I was praying about this message. And I felt like the Lord, and I just got quiet before God. And sometimes that's hard to do for us. Isn't it? It is for me. But I just stopped and I said, you know, I just, Lord, thank you. And I, I wanted to be more aware of his presence and again, I'm not negating the fact that he's on the inside of us. But I did, I came into a place of awesome presence of the Lord. And I felt like the Holy Spirit say this. Tell the people, you, that you're not a failure. I said, thank you, Lord. That's good. I said, Lord, you're just telling me. And he said, no, I, I want you to tell the people. You are not, a, I want those watching, you're not a failure. If you're with Jesus and he's with you. You're not a failure. You say, I failed. I've done this and that. Sometimes I feel like a failure. We don't walk according to what we feel. We walk according to the truth of the word of God. And the Holy Spirit is a spirit of truth. He's not saying that you're a failure. He's not saying that, that you, man, you've done too much. You've messed up too much and you forget you now. He's not saying that. He's saying, I'm for you. I'm not against you. And praise God. He said, he makes us a victor. He makes us a conqueror. He makes us more than conquerors. Praise God. Thank you, Lord, for your presence. You're here right now. Wow. Chapter 16. I'm going to close with this one of John. Chapter 16. Jesus said, <clears throat> verse 5, But now I go away to him who sent me, and none of you ask where you're going, because I have said these things. Sorrow has filled your hearts. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. This is an awesome, awesome truth. I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. Oh, really? How could it be to your advantage? Because if I don't go away, the helper, the paracletos, paraclete, the helper, the comforter, the standby, the advocate will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. It's to your advantage that I go away. Now these, no one, here's a thought I want to leave with you. <clears throat> these disciples had been with Jesus for three and a half years. 
They saw him. John leaned on his chest. They gave him a hug, you know, slapped him on the back, I'm sure, and said, how you doing this morning? You know, he loved them. They ate together. They went places together. They traveled together for three and a half years. And, 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 and they did ministry. He commissioned them to go pray. They prayed for people. They cast out demons. They preached the gospel. They saw healings. It was awesome to be in the presence of the Messiah. But the fact is, when Jesus was arrested, they all forsook him and fled, and Peter denied knowing him. And then Judas, of course, hung himself. And the truth is, they knew Jesus personally in the flesh. But they knew him better. They knew Jesus. Those disciples who walked with him for three and a half years, they knew him better after death, resurrection, and after Pentecost. When he wasn't there in person. They knew him better. That's why Peter was able to stand in front of the, those who had killed Jesus and, and, and was able to preach boldly. That's why they were able to, to, to preach the gospel. Why? Why? Because they had the Spirit of God had come upon them and in them. And through the Holy Spirit, there was that revelation. There was even a deeper revelation than to see him personally. Now, that is an awesome truth. Because I know a lot of times we think, man, Jesus, if you just come walking through the doors, man, we'd all have a revival. We'd shout and be, fall out in the Spirit or do something. I don't know. It, well, maybe so. I'm sure that's true in his glorified self. But that's not what he's left us with. Sometimes Jesus manifests himself to people. They have a vision of him. I would love to have that. He left us with his spirit, who is him. <laughs> and he teaches us. He guides us. He speaks to us. And we can know they knew the heart of Jesus. They knew the heart of the Father more intimately when Jesus, by his spirit, came to live on the inside of them. Praise be to God. Oh, thank you, Lord. Well, God is here. Thank you, Lord. Father, we love you. We thank you. You are here. We open our hearts to you, Jesus. We open our Holy Spirit. We acknowledge your presence. We acknowledge that we are the temple, the temple of the Father and the Son. We are the temple of God. God, you dwell on the inside of us by your Spirit, and you're with us. Father and Son, you said, I'm going to come. We're going to come make our own with you. Thank you that you've done that. And God, you're a good father. Maybe our dads had their eyes upon us for, for uh, rejection and for condemnation and for punishment and for anger. But Jesus, your eyes are upon us right here. Holy Spirit, you're, you're with us. You're comforting. You're, you're looking at us to, to help. And we thank you for that. We love you for it. We praise you for it. Thank you, Lord. And we say... Make us more aware of your presence. Oh, Spirit of God, you're a jealous God and you're sensitive. I don't, we don't want to quench your spirit.